Nancy, a Toronto emergency room nurse, took to Instagram in August 2001 with the name Nurse with Signs 416 and the hashtag RNSilentNoMore to raise awareness of what is going on inside the hospital walls and to protest Bill 124. Bill 124 was put out by the Ontario government, which will cap public sector compensation increases at 1% annually for three years. The government reasons the bill is necessary to reduce the province's deficit. The act will apply to the following employers, Ontario Crown Agencies, boards within the meaning of the Education Act, universities, colleges, and post-secondary institutions, hospitals under the Public Hospital Act, and the University of Ottawa Heart Institute, licensees under the Long-Term Care Homes Act, Orange, not-profit organization providing air ambulance and associated ground transportation services, and children's aid societies. In May 2021, at the height of the third wave where nurses were dropping like flies, a request to have nurses exempt from this bill was requested and denied. The bill states that the minister is given the authority to make regulations specifying that the act does not apply to an employer or to employees or classes of employees. The minister may also exempt a collective agreement from the application of the act by regulation. Other frontline services, such as police officers and firefighters, have been exempt from this act. But at the worst stage of the pandemic, where orange medics were flying patients all over the province in all hours of the day and night, sometimes having to stay in different cities away from their loved ones, and nurses battling the sickest of the sick were denied the exclusion of the bill. Nancy, one of the faces behind Nurse With Signs, started bringing awareness of this to the public, and I'm so happy she's joined me for my first episode. With me today on my first recording is the face behind Nurse with Signs. So thank you for being my guest. You're my first one. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've never done this before. Me uh, either. Yeah, <laughs> good. So um, we're, we're just going to talk and make some noise and try and raise some awareness. Hopefully. So can I say your name? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So hi, Nancy. Yeah. Why don't Hi. you start by, uh, by telling everybody about yourself? Um, I'm Nancy Halupa. I've been a nurse for 23 years. 22 I've spent working in the Emerge in Toronto. Um, I'm a wife, a mother. My kids are 19 and 15. And uh, that's about it. I've been nursing forever. Forever. So you went through SARS? I was actually on mat leave with my daughter during SARS. I came back just at the tail end of it. Oh, okay. So, so I got to miss around. that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so what did you think when they were starting to announce the pandemic? You work in a busy emergency room in downtown Toronto. What went through your mind? You know, at first, to be honest, a couple of us were just like, oh, whatever. It's just a flu. Like everyone's taking this way out of proportion. And then I think a month in, we were like, oh, crap, this is not just a flu. This yeah. is bad. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I remember being, uh, I was traveling. And everyone was wearing masks and I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> Taking it too far. Cause I was around for H1N1 mm -hmm. and I guess it wasn't really, that, it wasn't worldwide then. Right. So social media also wasn't a big factor back then. No, it was people. I remember people going crazy with the vaccine when H1N1 started. 
I just, I don't know. I just, I kind of felt it was going to be the same kind of thing where it was going to be up in the news for two weeks and then it would die down and things would be fine. Yeah. I felt the same way, the exact same way. And I did the flu yeah. shot vaccine for H1N1 and I yeah. gave it to my husband and he had a horrible reaction to it. It was really thick. And still yeah. to this day, he's like, you gave me H1N1. I know. But yeah, I didn't, I I didn't think it was going to be this bad either. No. Um, so I, I want to ask you how your week was. I mean, I was going to jump right into Bill 120, 124, but I think let's save that elephant in the room for a little bit later. Yeah. Let's have a little therapy session. What happened? Um, so we're in the eMERGE. I get a lot of different clientele. This particular person was intoxicated and probably high on drugs. And just thought that he could say whatever he wanted to anybody that walked by. So his exact words were to me in front of the whole department because um, he was in a curtained area where, oh, look at the nurse with the double D titties, but she gives good head. So that was the start into my shift. And you had to spend the rest of the, the shift dealing with that? Yeah, I mean, we sedated him the way we normally do if they're aggressive and loud, but didn't touch him. And he just yelled the whole night. And I was in charge that night. So it wasn't necessarily my patient, but I wasn't going to let any of the other nurses go near him when he had already done this to me. So it was more of, I've already dealt with it. I'll just do whatever he needs done for him for the rest of the night, but just, just keep him where he is and we'll deal with it. One yeah. thing for it to happen to me, I've been doing this for 23 years. I'm, I don't want to say I'm used to it because actually that night really upset me for some reason. Normally it just bounces off me, but there's a lot of new girls and new nurses there that don't need to start their career off with a, a pandemic and then with this. So yeah, took one for the team, I guess. Well, and that's, that's the problem, isn't it? Like, see what you said there with, you know, it's okay for it to happen to me. And uh, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years, you know, at, at some point we do normalize behavior like that and, and we use these patients for doing it. And that's not right either. And you know what I think hit me this time was like, I have a 19 year old daughter. Mm -hmm. I give her these speeches all the time about what she should and shouldn't tolerate in her life with her friends and her relationships. And these aren't some things I would ever tolerate in my personal life, but I've allowed it to happen to me for 23 years in my professional life and just assumed that it was part of my job. And it's not, no, like, I don't know where along the lines I became brainwashed into thinking, well, it's okay if you get assaulted by a patient because they're sick, but there's like, it's not an excuse anymore. It never should have been an excuse. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I've been assaulted too. And we do, we're, oh, they're confused or this or that. And the medications they're on. And I just don't think that makes it okay. I don't want to be hit at work. You mean even the threatening from the family members sometimes, even just the threats of I'm going to sue you. Like, I know they're not going to follow through with it, but, but the fact that you can even just say that to me, I'm just a regular person like everybody else. I control nothing that goes on in that place. Yeah. So what good is it going to be for you to sue me because you waited too long? I'm not the cause of that problem. Yeah. They dehumanize us. And yeah. I, 
we've all realized that I think during the pandemic and since the bill came out and we were completely ignored in that. And I think we're really tired of not being treated like people, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it started with the heroes at the beginning of the pandemic and, and we're not, we're, we're people. We don't want to be heroes. We want to be people. I know. And I, you know, I tried not to watch the news in the beginning because it was too upsetting for me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really see a lot of the pot banging and the, the hero praise on TV. Mm-hmm. But then when I started watching the news a bit more, I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like we were, most of us were going to work because we knew our friends were dying over there because they were so short staffed and so busy mm-hmm. or because we were in lockdown and there was nowhere else for us to go. So we might as well go to work. It, we didn't had, we didn't do it for, okay, I'm going to go save a COVID patient today. Cause we didn't save a lot of them. No. Yeah. We really you know? didn't. That wasn't the norm. Maybe no. like the first wave, it was more palliation because it was older people, but like, yeah, I don't remember a lot of people leaving our unit during the third wave. I mean, they yeah. left, but not in a good way. <laughs> not, not in a good way. No. Yeah. Um, so what did you do about this, this guy? Like, how did you handle that other than just, you know, taking one for the team? Like, did you report it? Um, I did a safety report. So what does that mean? Safety report. I mean, hopefully at some point someone gets to it and they can flag him as sexually aggressive or violent somehow. So that the next nurse that triages him in five years, if I'm not there, we'll see, Oh, this is what this guy's known for. Let's watch out. Mm -hmm. But it takes, who knows how long it takes for that to happen. And did I press charges with the police? Nope. And I've been down that road with them before with myself and with other staff. There was always an excuse of, well, they're a mental health patient. So the only thing we would do is bring them back to the hospital, which is here. So it's like a no win situation and really just a waste of my time. One thing that you mentioned on your Instagram post about all this, because your, your Instagram posts have been really inspiring for me and a lot of other people. And they've really allowed people to come forward and talk about this stuff publicly because there has been such fear with the media. Right. Um, But this one, I could just tell your, your vibe was off, you know, and I just could tell you were really down and cause it like, I guess everyone doesn't know. We've talked a little bit since all of this has happened and kind of got each other a bit. Um, but you said on one of your posts that you, your husband wanted to quit and you, you didn't want to go to work anymore. And you just sound done because of this. Yeah, that was, um, so this happened Monday. So I woke up Tuesday morning to go to Tuesday night to go to work. And I just did not have it. Like I just, it took everything in me to get out of bed and go back to work. And when I called my husband Tuesday morning, when I got home, saw what happened. He was just like, can you just leave, leave, stop doing this. And it used to be, you know, go to another unit, try another hospital. And now he's just like, just go nowhere else in the world would this be tolerated. And he's like, and this is not the first time I've seen you come home like this. And, you know, he's a great listener, but he doesn't understand. I I don't know what I am if I'm not a nurse. So I was a nurse before I was a wife. I was a nurse before I was a mother. It's all I wanted to do since I was six. And I don't know what else I can, there's nothing else I want to be. And that's why I'm so upset. And that's why I come home crying because I still love this profession and I still love my job. I just can't do it like this anymore. Yeah. So I feel like I'm being forced out. But that's why you're fighting so hard for change. 
yeah. So I told him, I said, okay, I'll give myself till June. If Ford gets reelected for some godforsaken reason, then I'm out. Then I, I gave up, I gave up the fight. I gave up the career. I give up all of it. There's not much more I can do after that. You and probably so I've got thousands till, of other people. Yeah. I've got till June to make a change. Well, I hope there's a change because it would be such a huge loss for the nursing profession. It would be a huge loss to me. Like I, I, yeah. I honestly don't know. I'd have to find a whole new me. What made you want to be a nurse when you were six? I had my tonsils out when I was six. I'll never forget that. But I was always kind of a sick kid. So my mom would always take me to and from the Emerge. And I just remember looking at them and thinking, oh, they're so cool. And I, I can't wait to wear those pantyhose and that dress and that hat because that's what we had growing up. And it was, it just stuck. And my grandparents, uh, my grandfather was sick when I was 17. So I spent tons of time at the hospital taking care of him. And I'll never forget, he was the one person who was so proud of me for taking care of him. But at the same time would say, don't ever do this job. Don't be a nurse. Because I guess he saw the behind the scenes. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. So it's, it's all I've ever done. So we go through a pandemic. And then Doug Ford comes out and releases Bill 124. So mm-hmm. for those listening, um, Bill 124, in a nutshell, caps professions at a, at a wage increase of 1, 1%. And that's being generous. It's actually a little bit less than 1%. Yeah. Um, so in the middle of a pandemic, he excludes other professions. And I, I don't want to harp on those professions. You know, I think people who are excluded, uh, you know, I'm happy for them. I, I think yeah. they be excluded. Um, but this is the misconception a lot of people have is they think, well, why yeah. are you special? Why should you be excluded as the nursing profession or it's healthcare professionals? Um, yeah. Why should you be excluded and other people not? And that's the problem is that people were excluded. Yeah, we were not in, in a pandemic. We're yeah. heroes. And then um, also, not only were we not excluded and capped at a pay increase, a small one at that. Um, the, he put out an emergency order, which fully um, more or less held us. Owned up. us. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we weren't allowed to change jobs in some, in some, some areas. We weren't allowed to change jobs. If we did, we were called back. Um, yeah. Weren't allowed to take time off. We lost all of our union rights. We more or less were taken hostage to the yeah. pandemic after being called heroes. So um other than the big F word, <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think we know, but why don't you explain your stance on it and what you did about it? So I've never been a hugely political person. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know much about any of it. Um, but that one I followed because I thought there's no way. I mean, there's just no way. First, I thought there was no mm-hmm. way he was going to win the first the election. And then that can't be unlucky twice. And that was the day that my daughter decided, okay, you're right. I'm not going to go into nursing because I had refused to pay her education if she was going into nursing. That's how adamant I was. So she cried for a week and then this bill came out and I just burst into tears because I think I had just finished like my fourth night shift. I woke up and that's what I saw that it had passed. And I just lost it. I was so, it was like I'd been punched in the stomach. I couldn't believe that that's what we got. 
after months of, of, of terror, to be honest, like terrified to, I was sleeping in the basement of my house so that I wouldn't be anywhere near my family. Yeah. Uh, using my own bathroom, getting undressed after work outside in my garage Mm -hmm. for 0.9%. And the continued talk of how we're heroes. I, I just, I can't even listen anymore. No, I remember when he put something on Twitter on a nursing week and I was like, are you, is that a joke? Yeah. <laughs> no. Like just, you know, it, at the very least, just stop talking. Stop yeah. talking about us at all. Like, don't call us heroes. Just shut up. Pretend we don't exist. Cause that's basically what you've done. Yeah. I, I've seen, um, everyone really come together over the province. And mm-hmm. like I said, like you were, I tried to start something just on Instagram. You know, I didn't really know where to go with speaking out and whatnot in, in January. And then yeah. meeting you, we kind of like collaborated with the two different cities a little bit and everyone's just come together because there's so much rage over this. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, I mean, I get the odd crazy post or message and I, like I'm really just trying to stay away from the whole mandate vaccine mandate topic yeah all of that because it is a very touchy subject I do have to say me and my friend Leah who also runs this page with me are very pro-choice mm-hmm. we would never but we just we don't want to get onto that topic because it just it takes away from what we're really trying to do right now and that's we don't even want to be exempt from bill 124 it needs to be gone yeah. The people that are suffering from this bill are the children and the elderly. Like the population's most delicate and needy are the ones that are suffering. Yeah. So it just needs to be gone across the board. Yeah. And when I actually looked into it and saw how many public sectors were included in that, it was disgusting. You know, I work in the eMERGE. I've had to deal with CAS a lot, unfortunately. And they were short and running thin for years before this. Yeah. And now you've basically given them a wage decrease with this bill and expect them to do the same job when the in- cases of abuse are, are getting higher. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. And that's come out too. There was uh, I know at our children's hospital, there was studies coming out with like a lot of head injuries and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, that's, there's, there's so many professions that are important. They don't deserve, you know, to, to have a, yeah. it's for three years, right? Yeah. So 2022, I think. Yeah, there was a, a good analogy that said basically with inflation over 3% and our, like it's more or less a pay cut. It's a, a pay, pay cut. cut. Yeah. Yeah, someone explained that to me and it made sense. So, yeah, you know, we haven't had a pay increase in the tent in a decade. That's worth talking about. Nothing that ever shows up on your check. No. Where you open your check and you're like, oh my God, I got a raise. Well, you even just notice it a couple months later. Oh crap. Did I get like that 20 cents raise that I was supposed to get? <laughs> even that pandemic pay, like it was for, you know, he threw a lot of money at it. Yeah. It wasn't, and it wasn't really when we needed it. Right. Like, no, it was, it had actually died down by the summer. So yeah, it was actually very intelligent on their part because we weren't working as much overtime because mm-hmm. we weren't as needed. Yeah. So they wouldn't have had to dish out as much. But then you stop it right when this was it the second wave or the third wave? Second wave. So it's right when the second wave started and that one killed us. Yeah. Well, and it because everyone had to stay off with their kids, you know, like the schools were pushed back and 
yeah, we're closed. And like, what do you do? Right. Like if you're a nurse and they're not opening the schools up, someone has to stay home with them. And then that takes yeah. our nurses and other healthcare workers outside of the hospital to stay home because someone has to take care of kids. And it, the whole thing, but they couldn't, no. I mean, I don't know how I didn't have to worry about that because my kids were older, but the nurses didn't have a choice. They couldn't take an LOA to take care of their kids. So it was either quit or work and pray that your kids are safe at home. Yeah. So a lot of nurses had to quit because they couldn't do the shift work with the homeschooling and the 24 hour a day care the kids needed. Yeah. So by putting that emergency order into place, you just lost a shit ton of nurses who had to quit because of the lockdown. Yeah. I only know of one who was granted an LOA and it was right before the third wave. So I think she got a little bit lucky there, but yeah, yeah, everyone else who I know who had to deal with childcare had to quit. Yeah. I mean, I would have, I wouldn't have had the option if my kids were younger. Yeah. So whoever makes the least money in the family has to quit or, and chances are that's going to be the nurse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about your campaign to change things. So what made, what gave you the idea? I don't know, to be honest, I was, we were at my daughter's 19th birthday party and we were just sitting there and I just said, you know what I'm going to do? And I don't even think I've had a bad week or something. I think it just kind of hit me that I needed to go. When I, I guess when I saw all these 19 year olds with all these dreams and like <laughs> aspirations for the future. And I was just like, Oh, I remember being that and thinking nursing was going to be the best. And look at me now. I'm just so bitter. So I said, I'm going to oh, start this page and I'm going to hold up a sign once a day with a different saying or a different story until somebody catches wind of it. So then I texted Leah the next day and she's like, I'm in, let's go for it. So <laughs> I launched it at 8 PM and I woke up the next morning and she had taken like 20 pictures and posted them to the page of all different nurses who I thought would never come forward like this. Who did that? Leah. Mm-hmm. So explain who Leah is. Cause I know, but uh, our listeners don't. Uh, Leah's just my coworker. We met, I got it, I think eight years ago at, at work and uh, we kind of just hit it off with our, our need to change this profession. You know, we both love it. She's been, I think her mom was a nurse, even it, it's in your blood and we, we need to change it or we need to go. Those are the only options. And we were kind of the ones where people that, you know, if they did have a complaint would come and tell us like, can you believe this happened? You can complain to me all you want, but I can't like we have to do something to fix it. Yes. So we just kind of got along really well doing this together. Good. I like it. And what was the feedback from, uh, don't say where you work or anything, but what was your feedback, not from the public, but from your coworkers and your employer? Um, my coworkers, I have to say about 90% of the first hundred pages are all of them. Good. So they were just, and I'm talking new people who didn't know me, who just, you know, kind of knew who I was from word of mouth. They had the nerve to stand up and take pictures. So to me, that was, that was amazing. And then when, when people started flooding me with pictures that I didn't know, I was like, oh my God, these poor people just want to have a place to speak. So that's why, you know, I get a lot of messages from people, please I'm begging you not to use my name. I'm like, listen, you can even hide your face. I don't care. Just somebody, the fact that somebody's behind that picture holding it is going to show the public that 
we're terrified to speak, but we really, really need to. So there is a human behind this picture. Yeah. I loved it. I saw it for the first time on the news. Oh, really? Yeah. So did they approach you or did you guys go to them? Um, I had actually, I, I have a hard time remembering the sequence of events. <laughs> um, I think I started the page before I approached them. Or I might have started it, I think I approached them and said, I have a story about the nursing shortage. We need to discuss it. The public is not aware of what's going on. And they need to be told the truth because right now they're not hearing the truth. And then I think I started the page kind of before I had their interview, but we had already been in contact. So it just kind of fell into place. So there's been, there's been a lot of media reaching out to nurses in I, maybe the last year, if not a little bit less than that. Mm-hmm. But before that, you'd rarely hear nurses talking to the media. I remember one time, and it was just a rumor, but someone, when I first started nursing, they said, this person went to the media and talked. And they're now blacklisted from getting a job in any. Oh, I believe it. And I don't know if that's true. I never knew who it was or what happened, but I was terrified. And then. Yeah. Is it something we learned in school? Like, I don't know. Did they teach us that from day one? Because it was always my biggest fear. Your license, your license, your license. Everything was about your license. Even what you did outside of work was about your license. Yeah. You know, I just don't know where that fear came into us. I don't know either. When I was asked to talk to somebody in April about my redeployment, I was terrified and I contacted my manager at the time and the PR people at the hospital and they were really supportive and I I didn't expect that at all. And I was like, Oh, I can do this. Like I'm allowed Mm -hmm. to do this. Oh, you guys are in trouble now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Talk to everybody. as long as, I mean, I'm not speaking on behalf of where I work. I've never mentioned where I work. If the College of Nurses makes me public knowledge. That's not my choice. I was never, I, it's not like they asked me my permission to make my employers public knowledge. Yeah. But I'm doing what nurses are trained to do. We're advocating for our patients. So I'm advocating for patients that I've had yesterday, patients that I'm going to have tomorrow. The healthcare is broken. So why would I just sit there and lie or cover up what's been covered up for way too long already? I just, I can't do it anymore. Yep. I couldn't agree more. So with this looming potential of fear talking to the media, what a, you know, have you seen success with that with other people? Have other people started things that you that you've done and started advocating for the profession? I don't think any other groups have started, but just from the protests that we've had alone, the first one was, you know, we kind of planned it in a week. We just wanted to get out there and start getting our message across. So that one had an okay turnout. The second one at um, Dundas Square in Queens Park was, was amazing. So I see that part. We're getting more and more people coming and the page has grown exponentially since I started it. So yeah, I do think people are, nurses are finally thinking, okay, I can speak. I'm not, as long as I'm not saying something, you know, you can talk about anything. You're not naming a patient. You would never give a patient example. Like you just, you don't, 
you're not doing anything wrong by speaking about needing a safe working working place. Yep. Everybody deserves that. Absolutely. Yeah, so. I agree. That's why I wanted to start this as well. And I had a couple of people ask me, are you worried? I said, no, like I'm, I'm not talking about where I work. I yeah. don't, I, I'm quite happy with where I work. I don't have any complaints. I mean, the complaints I have are with the government, not really with my Our nursing. Yeah. Exactly. And nursing and, you know, staffing, but the positions are available. There's just no one to fill them. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm not here to say anything bad about anyone or breach any, any patient's confidentiality. We're just yeah. advocating for the profession and that. Yeah. And that's what my husband doesn't, I think that's where me and my husband kind of don't agree. He says to just quit, go somewhere else, go to another department. Another department's not going to be any better. It's the nursing profession that's been destroyed. Not, not the institution, not the department I work in. It's my profession. Yeah. So going somewhere else is not the answer. No. Um, talk to me about the protests. They looked amazing. And I was so upset I couldn't be there. Um, Nancy's in Toronto, in case you haven't picked that up. And I'm in Ottawa. So the protests were in Toronto. I still think you need to come here and do one here. So yeah, I know we should. <laughs> we'll have to get that arranged up in the new year. Yeah. So tell me about it. Um, the first one was kind of small. We did it at Dundas Square. Had, I had more people than I thought we were going to have. The media was really... The media has been great to us. I have to say every time we tell them we're going to be somewhere, they're either there or they're calling me the next day to hear what happened and, and writing a story. So they've been amazing. Yeah. The second one where we um, joined forces with Ontario Nurses United, we had kind of joined forces with them for all of them, but we raised money for the signs at Dundas Square. So we had some of our posts up there for seven days nice. and that was just a huge success. Yeah. Were those billboards? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that was amazing. Okay. So I have a controversial question though, about these protests. Mm -hmm. So around the same time, there's another group and I don't, I don't talk too much about them because, you know, I don't really agree with what they did and I, I don't want to give it a lot of attention. Um, but did you, do you feel like there was some confusion with some of the people that came out for the protests that Canadian frontline nurses had done, which is the complete opposite of what, you know, the positivity and the, you know, advocating for healthcare. Do you feel like you know, there's confusion between the two groups? I never had that problem because we made it very clear, me yeah. and Nikki from the other group made it very clear that we had nothing to do with this group. Mm -hmm. And if you are coming to the rally and you're going to be having signs that say anything regarding that group, you're going to be asked to leave. We just have nothing to do with that. Good. So. Because I thought that there was actually some confusion on the opposite way where people of the public would go to their rallies and protest. Yeah. Thinking they were going to yours. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to make it any more clear. I, yeah. I even have people on my page sometimes commenting like, isn't this a freedom of speech site where I can talk about this I said no it's a freedom of speech oh, site yeah. but we're not talking about we're not talking about the mandate there's millions yeah. of other pages you can choose to discuss that yeah but not mine I was more I was oh. so mad that it, it potentially took some attention away from what you were doing because I was yeah so supportive of what you guys were doing and then they were outside of my hospital and there was a lot of people honking and my first thought was oh we're doing something I thought it was yeah. before and it wasn't and I just went oh you know the timing 
just not ideal. You know what was good though? Because we were going to be able to be differentiated from them no matter what, because we yeah. all had masks on. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> there, that was our one right in the face identifier of who we were. Yeah. And we weren't around any hospitals. That was like the one rule. So the, the March had kind of a route a planned before these protests started. And we were going to walk by the hospital row just because there's staff that wanted to be there and couldn't. So they could look out the yeah. windows and cheer us on. And then we said, okay, route to be determined because we don't want to even walk by the hospitals because we don't want any of the staff there thinking, oh shit, they're coming back. Yeah. We just, we were going to go a completely different way. And then I guess um, one of the doctors that is on our page, who's been really supportive, Dr. Venugopal was the one in front of the hospital holding the sign all by himself. Yeah. So I guess after that, their protests kind of got smaller and not nowhere near Toronto anyways. Yeah, that's, I'm glad to hear that because it, it was, it was a real mood killer around here for sure. Yeah. But there was a lot of people honking and I think uh, there was a thread on Reddit and it was just saying like, this is what this protest is about. It's not supporting, um, yeah. you know, the fight against Bill 124 or anything like that. So I think there was just bad timing and I, I was worried there'd be confusion and people would be supporting them thinking they're supporting yeah. you. Yeah, I, I think it would have been pretty clear because we weren't a really violent group. Like we were just <laughs> we were just yelling about you didn't tell people the C word? <laughs> no, you know, we didn't. There was children at our rally holding yes, like, like civilized you know, human beings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were just really calm. And then we had the police escorts too. So I think people kind of saw that we weren't um rebel risers we we had police escorts to march just march with us so that's amazing i'm proud of you i mean the monday the monday was awful because we went to queen's park um and there was an anti-mask anti-vax anti-mask group there who just would not leave us alone and i was like you know, i'm not trying to get into your protest why are you trying to get into mine yeah leave me alone. we can it's a really big park it's like stay on your side but they wanted the media attention that I had. So, you know, the police had to get involved that day too. It's just, they're making us out to be the devil now. We had nothing to do with this. No, it was completely opposite. Yeah. Uh, So I got a question on Twitter. I had a couple questions. Um, Mm -hmm. Someone wanted to know, is the fight sustainable? What do you think about that? If she were to have asked me like last week, I would have said, yes, I could do this for like the rest of my life. Then after Monday night, I was like, you know what? I think I'm done. I think I'm going to have to just quit. Let someone else take over this fight. I give up. I don't care anymore. Then I slept. So, (laughs) you know, I have, I have till June in me. I've given myself a timeline. So I have till June. I will continue this as hard as I can until June. And if he gets reelected again, I'm out. I think that's the key there is the election. So yeah. it's sustainable. Well, everything, no matter what the topic that you want to fight politically. And I'm like you, I, I know nothing about politics. Yeah. I'm just learning. And, and I'm kind of ashamed to say that, like in my profession, I should know more about politics, well, we, especially polit- um, provincial. Yeah. But I think that that's what you have to, 
that's your goal is if you're not happy yeah. with who's running the show, you need to change it. Yeah. Um, another question I got, um, there's only two more. Don't worry. No worries. <laughs> uh, the other one was, do we worry about bringing COVID home to our family and has it happened to anyone we know? I'll let you go first. Um, do I, I worry about it now? Not so much. Maybe it's because I'm kind of desensitized to it, but I try not to go near my parents for prolonged periods of time. I don't really kiss them anymore. It's a quick hug and, and we're all vaccinated, but you know, they're older. I'm very lucky that my kids were old enough to get vaccinated. I think if my kids were smaller, I would, I would be the same way I was during the first wave sleeping in the basement, not going anywhere near them. I think I've been lucky that my kids are older. Yeah. I, I wish my kids were vaccination age. They're all, they're two, two, six and almost eight. So yeah, it, I, I don't know what I would do. Yeah. So I, I was really worried about it at the beginning. Um, but when I was redeployed and you know, I don't, like I said, I, we work at different agencies. So I, I felt really confident in the amount of PPE I had. Um, it was always fully stocked, lots of supply. And, you know, I, I didn't bring it home. And at that point I was fully vaccinated, but my husband wasn't, my parents weren't, yeah. my parents weren't. And, you know, I, I didn't give it to anybody. So, or bring it like, bring it home. So that I know of, um, yeah. So I started to really trust the PPE and, you know, I, you take the time to put it on properly. You don't cut any corners and yeah. you do the same thing, putting it on and you're just as meticulous when you take it off. So I trusted the PPE that way. So, you know, I was sleeping in bed and, and, you know, I was changing before I left work, but I, I wouldn't say I was, I'm scared anymore of bringing it home. Definitely more at the beginning. Yeah, no. And I, you know what I have to say where I worked, we never had a PPE problem. Yeah. You know, we, we did have it locked up, but that was because we didn't want people stealing it, to be honest, because we had, it's an emerge department. So we had patients that could easily come in and take boxes for their own safety. So we needed it locked up, but we never ran out. We never, our sizes were always there. And like, if you just look at the facts, we didn't have one kid with croup last year. We didn't have one case of Norwalk last year. Yeah. The flu was gone. Like nobody was coming in with these sinus infections or any kind of stomach bug because we were all doing proper hand care, hand sanitizing, hand sanitizing and masks. So I fully trusted the PPE. My fear just came in because I do work in the eMERGE. So we weren't in PPE 24 hours a day. Yeah. And sometimes a patient didn't have COVID symptoms when they got there. And then the more you get to talking to them, you're like, oh crap he has COVID symptoms and I wasn't wearing my full PPE. I was just wearing the mask. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was more of like, I just, I guess I felt like a constant germ walking. And because, you know, I think because of the way the public was treating us too, to a degree, you know, I would never have gone out in public with my scrubs on even before work where people thought if people thought I was dirty, it was, Mm -hmm. it was, a weird feeling. Yeah. You know, we weren't allowed to eat together. We weren't allowed to go to the cafeteria. It was just, so if you're treated like a leper in some cases, you kind of make yourself feel like one. Yeah. I felt safer working in the ICU than I, I did working in consults. Cause 
similar to Emerge, I would see people right before they would become symptomatic. Yeah. Get a lot more of potential exposure doing what I do normally. Um, yeah. I see you like it's it, okay. You have a COVID patient today and I, I actually would have preferred to have a COVID patient. Cause it's nice to know, okay, they have COVID. So I've got to wear all exactly. the Exactly. Um, and then the last question is I follow both your Instagram pages. You both have families and jobs. How do you both find the time? <laughs> I'm lucky because my kids are 19 and 15. So I have it pretty easy with my kids. My daughter's in university and my son's in grade 10. So I, I don't have a lot of child rearing left to do. <laughs> um, and my husband, you know, he works Monday to Friday, seven to three. So he's, he's, he's taken a lot of the mom duties away from me for a while. Yeah. I I'm the same with my husband. He's my tech guy. So he sets up all the things he's going to edit this podcast. Like he, you know, we kind of do this together. Um, and my, my kids are pretty, they're pretty good. They play with each other. They run all over to our neighbors and play there. We've got a little bubble with them and yeah, you know, if I wasn't doing this, I'd be sitting watching reality TV. Right. (laughs) And I'm, I'm not the type to sit still. And because I've had to cut my hours back at work, I, I need to fill my time up with something. Yeah. I can't face going to a shift. So I'll make t-shirts for the next protest. Like I just, I need to keep busy. Yeah. And I've enjoyed doing this. I've like, I love meeting people like meeting you feels, I feel like I've known you for my entire life and it's just from this page. So it's been incredible for me. I know. I I've loved meeting you too. I, it's the first time we talked, I was like, it's like, I'm meeting my long lost work wife. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And nurses are the same everywhere you go. Like they're like, you can pick a nurse out from a mile away. Yeah, you can. They're the ones screaming at their kids and not uh, yeah. <laughs> like them by the hand. They, Kid falls and you're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> oh, you're no fine. blood. We're good. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to mention just one more thing before we go. I think, did I see you have a GoFundMe page for your cause? So that was for the Dundas Square protest. We wanted oh, to raise okay. the money for the signs. So it's kind of, I, that was uh, Ontario Nurses United who started that. Oh, okay. So I was help. I was promoting it with them, but yeah, that was just for the signs because bill 254 capped us at spending, I think over 60 grand a year in advertising <laughs> for our cause. So I didn't even know about like, this bill. Yeah. That's another one to add to 124. It was to keep our unions from advertising anything really. That's a whole other episode, I think. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so we were like, do we start to go find me for these signs? All we need is like 20 bucks a person, five bucks a person. Cause it wasn't, it was nowhere near as expensive as we thought. And then we were like, oh crap, what if we raise like 60 grand? What are we going to do then? Like then he'll sue us because we went over <laughs> his bill 120 bill with 254 act. So yeah, we kept it low. Oh, well, I, I'm really glad you've had success. Thank you so much for coming on here. Oh, and thank you. Keep fighting. I really don't want you to give up. I want you to stay a nurse. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I still have some in me. I have some fight left. Good. Keep it yeah. up. <laughs> it was nice okay. to talk to you. I'd love to have you back nice time. Anytime. Bye. Take care. Bye.